Fergal and Trevor are coming out to play. You're Trevor. You're Fergal. Our friendship never fades. TaylorMade. Hello and welcome to episode two of TaylorMade. My name is Fergal and with me is... Well, Trevor, I didn't know I had to say my name. I thought you were going to do it. But hello, hello listeners and hello Fergal. Good to be back after the pilot episode. It is good to be back, yeah. And we, we made that flight. We were pilots and now we're on home ground or something. Yeah, well, the pilot was obviously a success because here we are, episode two. Um, maybe it wasn't a pilot because does that imply that we may not have had an episode two? Who makes that decision? I don't know. It's it's an odd one, actually, because you see like DVD box sets and they will often refer to the first episode as a pilot, mm. uh, even still when there's been an episode two. So I'm not sure about that. Who who makes the decision? I don't know. Hollywood. Yeah, it is odd because a pilot sounds like a trial. But um, yeah, well, we've made the decision to carry on, but maybe we shouldn't have called it that, as I said. But uh, yeah, mm. so we've had good feedback. Uh, so did you get any comments about it? I did. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily call it good feedback. I did get some feedback. Um, oh, okay. Shall well, I go into it here? I think you better add, yeah. Well, well, maybe if you read it out and then we could always edit it out later, couldn't we? If it's not appropriate or if we don't we want could. our listeners to get a bad impression. Yeah, so, I mean, when you were asking me last week, have you ever kissed somebody in the crowded room and all your friends were laughing at you? Oh. And I mentioned that story from Crete from back when I was 18 years old, back uh, 19 years ago. Uh, Grant got on to me, just Grant, don't know his surname, and said, maybe the girl you kissed looks at that photo and people are laughing at you. Get down off your high horse. Well, yeah, <laughs> that, that's true. We don't know, do we? Yeah, maybe she she was impressed. Um, yeah. But yeah, well, I suppose that's disappointing, but at least we got some feedback. Uh, better than none, isn't it? Oh, let's just see if I've yeah. got anything. Actually, I had to comment about you as well. Um, oh, but it was disappointing. Maybe people could comment about me uh, in the future. Uh, yeah, so this is a, a message I got from Bitte, and he says, I've been listening to Fergal and Fecky Metal Podcast for years now, but now I found out he's a fan of Scatman John and the Venger Boys. I think I went by that. So, <laughs> well, I don't think laughing's the right response, is it? It's, you've lost a listener, but maybe we've gained one. But what do you say to this? Um, do you know what? Scatman John and the Venga Boys were playing in my kitchen on Saturday and I have no regrets. So I'm sorry I've, to have lost a listener, but there you go. That's life. Well, hang on. You don't mean they were literally playing in your kitchen. You mean on the stereo or, or the, the speaker? We mentioned speakers last week, didn't we? Bluetooth speakers. I, I will leave that to the listener to decide. Oh, okay. Maybe it'd be good if we had Taylor Swift and I made and playing in our kitchens, wouldn't it? Um, maybe we will one of these days. Trev, maybe we will. Okay, well, the good news is we did get some positive feedback, and that was about the Wasted Years mashup, and we enjoyed that, and so did several people, at least three. And um, But someone said, why is it called a mashup? So, do you know? I don't actually know, but I'm just thinking in general terms here, when you mash potatoes, you might add in other ingredients like butter, milk, uh, and, you, like, individually, they can be whatever you want, but when you put them together to become mashed potatoes, so maybe that's what it is. Yeah, maybe. Um, so, are you a fan of mashed potato then? And that's my question. Actually, no. That's not a listener question. Actually, no, I don't really like it. Um, 
I don't know if you have this in uh, England, but in Ireland, but you got um, a big thing in the pub. If you go to a pub on a weekend, Saturday, Sunday, there's a carvery dinner. Um, and uh, the only place I like mashed potato is in a pub carvery dinner or carvery lunch. I never liked my mom's mashed potato. Oh. I don't like mashed potato if I make it myself. But I do like mashed potato at a carvery, and I can't explain why. I'd say probably because they use almost the same amount of butter as they do potatoes. But oh, yeah. in general, no. Yeah, well, we get carveries. I mentioned in Wayne's I made in podcast about a Bernie Inn, but that was in the 80s. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, carveries are good, and mashed potatoes good. It's good with sausages. Well, obviously, this is a podcast about Taylor Swift and I Maiden, not sausages mm. or mash, but you know, you've got address, listener feedback. So, uh, but before we start, I, I noticed you're drinking again, uh, and we had this mm. last week, you had some mm. Aldi beer, so what's that? I'm having a Guinness here now. Oh, okay. I've got Pepsi Cherry Max, um, which you might, uh, oh, so yeah, I'm representing the pop, the pop posse, you know, you've got the rock star stuff, and I've got the pop, but Pepsi Cherry Max, oh, grab yourself a taste of the good times, that's what it says in the advert, or it did in the 90s, but uh, right, Anyway, let's move on to music. So this week, episode two, we've got through the pilot, and mm. this week we're looking at links, aren't we? Yes, we are. Yeah, and maybe some differences as well. So yeah, lots of good stuff. And I don't mean differences like Taylor Swift's a girl and I made in the boys. That'd be silly. We've got better things to talk about. There's no point doing a podcast about that. So uh, if we look at maybe albums first, there's plenty of links there, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned this to me, and I was quite impressed with your analysis. Um, that uh, the first two albums being quite different and separate to the discography, and then obviously Taylor went on her own way and expressed more of her personality. And uh, you could say the same for Iron Maiden. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the first two albums are quite different. Uh, you're, you're a bit of a fan, aren't you, of the Taylor Swift first two albums? Yeah, well, I like that kind of country style. Uh, it's not music I listen to often, but for some reason, when she sings country music, it, it uh, is more appealing to me. Oh, that's interesting. I'm not so sure on those first two albums, because I think country takes a bit of time with me to get into. And maybe if I was a fan at the time, it would mean more to me today. But of course, we discovered it later, didn't we, on those road trips? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, a lot of people with Iron Maiden are, are similar, you know, um, where they discovered Iron Maiden with Bruce Dickinson. Obviously, Taylor Swift didn't change singer. She is the same person. Oh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's a different style. Uh, Steve Harris would hate you for saying this, but it's kind of punkier, more aggressive. And I know certainly some people who discovered Iron Maiden via Bruce Dickinson and can't really warm to those albums. Um, some people think they're the best two albums they've ever done. And there's probably those Taylor Swift people who have patch jackets with Taylor Swift's first two albums. <laughs> yeah. They're the best two things she's ever done as well. Definitely. Um, I mean, I really like the first two I made in albums. I think I like them just as much as Peace of Mind and, and definitely more than the 90s albums. But yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, the first one I think is a masterpiece. Second one, wishy-washy. I will say. Uh, I don't think either of them, in my opinion, are better than Peace of Mind, or even as good as Peace of Mind. Oh, well, that's fair enough. That's, that's good. We can have these different opinions. But, uh, yeah, those first albums, I mean, Taylor's redone. Oh, sorry, Taylor Swift's redone, Fearless. Uh, I don't think I'll be as bothered with the debut when it comes out, when she does a Taylor's version of that. But, uh, yeah, it's still nice to have those options. Yeah, I mean, like, I can understand why she did it. She had all this... Uh, 
argy bargy and um she wanted to release her own versions of them but uh, i really hope iron maiden never does that i I, th- I think they're probably past the point where they might do that now yeah we might talk about that in a, in a future episode that that idea um but looking at those first albums um obviously that there's some connection there like we've talked about but listen to this taylor swift's album was called taylor swift and iron maiden's debut album was called iron maiden what a coincidence yeah absolutely we've noticed a few similarities already and this is just another one to add to the list and i think by the time we're finished this we might have a whole litany of similarities between iron maiden and taylor swift yeah it's about time the world realized about these links and and it doesn't stop there because you're probably scoffing aren't you at the the fact that the debut albums are titled the same as the band or the artist because that happens quite a lot in music but listen to this in taylor swift's album she talks about a pickup truck mm. and so do i a maiden oh. oh absolutely running free yeah yeah i mean come on come on come off it i will say <laughs> come off it taylor you know? yeah well, extra interesting so that's probably got the attention but uh, yeah so that's good but i, I suppose Unlike Iron Maiden, Taylor Swift probably never played the Drill Hall in Lincoln on that tour for the first album. Quite possibly she didn't play that venue, uh, if, it, if it even still existed at that time. Yeah, I don't think she even came to the UK, but might be wrong. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's a good start for both, both artists, both good links. But then the next two albums, both artists were finding their sound a bit more. Um, Iron Maiden with different lineups, and Taylor Swift writing more songs on her own. And branching a little bit more into pop. So do you think I made them a change in the sound? In their next two albums, absolutely. I mean, you know, Bruce Dickinson comes in. Uh, you mentioned Peace of Mind already, but The Number of the Beast was a huge shift in sound for Iron Maiden. And Peace of Mind, I'm not sure if it was a shift, but it was a more kind of um, perfecting that sound. And I think with Taylor as well, with those albums that she released, uh, Speak Now and Red, they really kind of perfected her sound. Um, well, firstly, she did Speak Now, where she experimented with a new sound, and then she perfected it on Red, I'd say. And by the time she got to 1989, then, she was just a pop star. Yeah, and I think you could say the same for Iron Maiden. After Peace of Mind, that's it, blab, they're, they're mega. Um, and Peace of Mind and Red, which were both the fourth albums, a lot of people mm. do pick them as their favourites by the artist, which is quite interesting. True, yeah, good point. Although I would say as well, a lot of people would pick the next album, in Taylor Swift's case, it's 1989, where she just broke uh, out into the mainstream massively. And with Iron Maiden, it's Power Slave. And you could say that that's when they really broke out into the mainstream massively as well with the um, World Slavery Tour, etc. And the live DVD or video as it was at the time. Yeah, that's true. Both went off the charts, off the scale with a reach and an audience. So yeah, mm. yeah, another link, nice one. Now, I mentioned that Taylor Swift changed the, the fact that she was doing more songwriting on her own because the first two albums, she was doing a lot of collaboration and so, you know, yeah. to find her feet with that sort of thing. And at the time of the debut, she was still at school. So, you know, you think maybe those lyrics mightn't have been as good then. Um, but when you get older, you get better. And I found that with the poetry I've written. You know, being at school, there's too much distraction, isn't there? True. Pressures of school, exams... And, getting bitch slapped in the playground all sorts you know it's hard so as she got older it must have been easier and being a bit more mature of course 
Yeah, I mean, nobody likes getting bitch slapped. But um, that's the experience of life as well, you know. Um, when you're younger, you don't necessarily have too much to draw on for lyrics. You don't have too much life experience to draw on. And then when you get a bit older, you've had more experiences, like you have, obviously. Um, there's a lot more there to write about. Yeah. Well, what I didn't mention, I've just noticed another one. Um, the second Taylor Swift album is called Fearless. That's got fear, and then I made and have an album called Fear of the Dark. Oh, get more coincidences. Yeah, I mean, maybe that link might be on the more tenuous side, but it's definitely a link. Well, yeah, I'll give you that. Okay. Well, what do you think? Any more? I mean, yeah, we we could go through all the albums, couldn't we? But anything else you spotted with, with maybe the chronological sequence or trends? What what changed? Any anything you found? Well, I suppose seeing as you're asking, yeah, with Iron Maiden. Um, let's say the sixth and seventh albums, so Somewhere in Time and Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, they maybe got a bit more criticism at the time, but respect, like, or looking back, um, they're considered really good albums. And I'd say with Taylor Swift, her sixth and seventh albums, Reputation and Lover in 2017 and 2019, uh, again, they were kind of put under more scrutiny, I'd say, by the media, but if you look back at them now, and I know it hasn't been as long since them as it has for Iron Maiden's album, if you look back at them now, they are pretty much classic Taylor Swift albums. Yeah, they're good. Again, slightly different direction, more of the eras that we discussed before. Yeah. And then after that, of course, we've got the uh, another shift. We've got Iron Maiden in the 90s doing a more back-to-basics approach, uh, which Taylor Swift sort of did with a more stripped-back acoustic thing, those albums she released during the pandemic. Mm, absolutely, yeah. So uh, you're looking at um, Evermore and uh, folklore, things like that. Yeah, so it there's quite a lot of coincidences and links with the history of the two artists and their albums and how they were taken. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, can you think of any links between the the newest albums? I mean, we don't have to do every album, as I've said. But to me, I felt that I played them too much when they came out. I was too excited. Maybe I overindulged a bit, and as a result, I'm not as keen on them. Yeah, when Sinjutsu came out, I was playing it quite a lot. I got overexcited about it, I'd say, and it had been so long since the last one. I'd say with, with Taylor Swift, it obviously hadn't been so long since the last one. Um, Midnight's came out like in 2022, and I, I did play it quite a lot as well, but it hadn't been such a long gap, or hadn't been such a long distance since the last album. So... Um, I, I think I put more weight into Sinjutsu than I did with Taylor Swift's most recent album. And as a result, I suppose, after the initial uh, excitement, enthusiasm wore off with, with Sinjutsu, I did start to notice that maybe it wasn't as good as I thought it was. You know? um, and that's the, di- that's the difference, I suppose, between the two, where Taylor's releasing everything all the time. Uh, Iron Maiden take a long time between releases. Yeah, that's true. It's hard though, isn't it, to say that you're not as keen on an album because Taylor Swift's album, Midnight's, that got 7 out of 10 on Pitchfork and the fans went wild. Well, the stands went wild, whatever they are. So 7 out of 10 is all right, really. I'd agree with that. I don't really pay attention to Pitchfork myself. Um, I wonder what Senjutsu got on Pitchfork, actually. Probably wasn't reviewed. Probably not cool enough. <laughs> Quite possibly... Right, are you ready for it? (laughs) 
Right, so time for me to ask you a question. Can I ask you a question? That was good, wasn't it? One for the fans. Uh, right, I need to ask you a question then, like last week, and hopefully we get some nicer feedback, because uh, you won't talk about girls in a bad way. <laughs> I hope so. Right, are you ready? I am. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. Very good. Not quite a question, but um, oh, it could, I, it I like it. Yeah, I like it. Uh, it's um, something that strikes a chord with me, actually, because I I maintain to myself and others who will listen to me that I I, I feel 20. Oh, I have done since I, since I have been 20, which was 17 years ago. Uh, so, yeah, I feel 20, not 22, but I feel 20. I think that's when I reached my mental maturity and I don't think I've grown a lot since then. And uh, I feel 20 and I hope I feel 20 the rest of my life. Probably doesn't seem that long ago, does it? When you're thinking back. doesn't to me, but it is longer, it do- from, longer for me though, of course. It does and it doesn't. It does in the way when I think about what we had back then in 2006 and in terms of technology and things like that, it was very primitive. Oh, yeah. But in other ways, I think I wasn't really doing much that was a lot different than I'm doing now. So, yeah, it doesn't in that way. I noticed recently on Twitter, a lot of people are saying, what albums came out when you were 22? Now, I don't want to do that because that's data mining. And, and maybe they're getting more information. But but what sort of albums were coming out when you were in your early 20s that, that maybe take you back to that time? When I was in my early 20s. Do you know what? Something did come up about that, and it was 22. And to me, that was 20, 2007, and I couldn't really remember anything from that year. It wasn't a very memorable year for me. But I do remember the year before that was My Chemical Romance, Welcome to the Black Parade, which is an album I loved, actually, and... I felt at the time I was probably a bit too old for it. And um, I, I confirmed that when I went to see them the following year at a festival when uh, I was surrounded by, I will say, uh, teeny boppers. And uh, <laughs> I was probably like 21, nearly 22 at the time. Wow. Um, what else around that time? Obviously, A Matter of Life and Death by Iron Maiden came out. Oh, when yeah. I was in my 20s, great. same year. Uh, great album. Um one I loved as well was uh, Morrissey, You Are the Quarry. Uh, came out in 2004. Uh, first Morrissey album that I ever heard and absolutely loved it. Yeah. I saw him doing a live performance of First of the Gang to Die at Glastonbury and I didn't even know who he was, even though I did know who the Smiths were. Uh, but then I joined the dots together. I was like, oh, yep. Oh, wow, that sounds good. I'm surprised you didn't mention Taylor Swift's debut, which came out in 2006. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah Taylor Swift's... Um, Debut album, the self-titled Taylor Swift as well. Yeah, yeah, never mind. Huge, huge, huge one as well. Yeah, good. Although you wouldn't have known then if you discovered 1989, wouldn't you? But I suppose it's still some that that you could have heard at the time. For me, it was Brave New World, that end of the nineties. Uh, yeah, so end of the century stuff. So yeah, Taylor Swift was only ten. Um, I I made my coming back, and it was all new metal and pop like Steps. And I'm sure I'll talk about them in a later episode. Yeah, because like you, I do like a bit of pop here and there. I don't know if 1999, 2000, classes as 90s though, like your favourites. Yeah, I think it does. Um, I mean, I remember uh, I'm Blue Dabba Dee Dabba Die. That must have been late 90s, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I, I know that's been remixed now by some other pop artist. Yeah, Eiffel 65. They were actually Eurovision entry this year. Um, but yeah, didn't get through to the final. Right. 
Anyway, we've got to go back to the question, which you said wasn't a question, so I've got an issue with that. It is a question because of the way I said it. I expect a response, so isn't that a question? I Maybe, but a question to me should have a phrase which ends in a question mark. But I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. Stress is like a, a nudge and a wink for, for you to carry on. The I don't know about you part is almost a question, but then the I'm feeling 22 part is basically just a statement. So I don't, th- I don't think overall it's a question. Okay, well, that's probably what we'll get the comments on this week, isn't it? Rather than the bans, the people arguing about what's a question. Never mind. Got some good news. We had a message from Dennis Stratton this week. Maybe we should explain who Dennis Stratton is. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, of course, Dennis Stratton, the, um, I won't say original uh, lead guitarist for Iron Maiden, but he was on their first album and uh, no more albums since then. Hello, Trevor. Dennis Stratton here. It's nice to see you doing something on your own and another new podcast for me to listen to. It was thanks to you mentioning Taylor Swift on Wayne's Iron Maiden podcast that I started listening to her. And since then, I've been binge listening. That's what the kids say, isn't it? In it, isn't it? Like binge watching Come Dine With Me on Channel 4. I found some of her CDs in a buy, sell and exchange shop. That was lucky. Although some of these are the old albums, not those Taylor's versions. So I hope that's okay. I wonder if Iron Maiden find out Adrian Smith is a villain of some sort, then maybe I'll be asked back by Steve Harris to re-record all of their albums. New versions, you know. I bet some of your fans will be keen to hear how that might sound. I often like to listen to a new artist in chronological order to see how they've grown. But I didn't have the choice here. But I've got three CDs with different sounds and styles. At first it was strange, but I know when something's a foot tapper. I bet the neighbors are shocked at this old rocker playing modern pop. Oh, it's changed my life, I tell you. When I was an Iron Maiden, pop was silly, but now it's got an impact. I can't believe there's now a podcast about Taylor Swift and Iron Maiden. Oh, so many thousands of people must be happy. And once again, Trevor, you've joined people from different backgrounds and cultures together, first with your poetry and now with this. I can't thank you enough. Take care, Dennis. Right, well, we've looked at album similarities, so shall we look at some lyrical links? Hold on a sec, Trevor. Are you not going to acknowledge the content of the message we just heard from Dennis Stratton? Well, I don't know. I'm not sure we had the time, but it was nice to hear from him. Maybe we'll get in touch again next week. Yeah, nice to hear from him, but, like, you know, just don't skip by it like it didn't even happen. Oh, okay. Yeah, fair point. Sorry, Dennis. Okay, back on track then. So, yeah, before you interrupted, but, yeah, I accept the interruption. Um, We've looked at album links, so should we look at some lyrical links now? Yeah, sounds good. So, I don't know what percentage of people we've got listening, whether there's more Taylor Swift fans or Iron Maiden fans, but let's look at both their lyrics. So, how would you describe Iron Maiden's lyrics? Uh, I would describe them as almost always focusing on something that is some kind of conflict uh they don't really have any happy songs i would say with one or two exceptions but it's always conflict war disaster 
religion, crime, um, and Taylor Swift's obviously are, are quite a lot different. Yeah, well, that's that's is a difference, isn't it? Um, Taylor Swift's to me are more about real life. Now, I'm not saying conflict doesn't exist because that'd be naive, but I like the escape in Taylor Swift's lyrics because often they're about a girl, which I'm not. Um, but it's it's I like it. Um, they they're just they're just more conversational, aren't they? Um, and I think Iron Maiden did have that on the first two albums. Taylor Swift, as I say, she writes about things, women's things, but we can still enjoy them, can't we, as men? Um, and you might think, well, why do you want to experience heartbreak, like, like she often goes on about? But it would be nice to have the option to experience heartbreak, to have that romance in the first place, have those highs to experience the lows. Very true, yeah, very true. And I think, you know, Gender doesn't really, really matter. Uh, it's These themes are common to everybody. Yeah, well, as I say, Iron Maiden are a bit more personal on the first two albums. I think Wayne brought it up. They use the term I and you more rather than general stuff about war or history. But they also talk about teenage experiences, both of them, because in Running Free, we mentioned the pickup truck, but it starts off with just 16. So it's Iron Maiden singing about being 16, which at the time was only a few years ago. And then mm. on Fearless, Taylor Swift talks about being 15. So that's annoying, isn't it? Because I've just asked you about being 22. Now maybe we're going to look at being 15. So, so do you remember being 15? I do remember being 15, yeah, uh, quite strongly. Uh, strongly? I don't know what I mean by that. Um, but yeah, 15 was that age, you know, you're in between childhood and adulthood. Um you were in secondary school in Ireland anyway, uh, depending on what you call it in the UK. And you're finding out about bands like Iron Maiden, certainly. And um, with me, I was finding out about like ACDC and Guns N' Roses and all that. But you're also kind of finding out about like, oh, um, I find this woman attractive or this girl attractive. And uh, I don't know how to approach her because I'm shy and a weirdo. Uh, so there's a lot of change going on in your life as, uh, at that time. Uh, for me, actually, around 15, I went to uh, what's called the Gale Tucked or in English Irish College, where you go and live in a rural part of Ireland for three weeks where they speak Irish, the native language, obviously, of Ireland, uh, although it's not used very much. And you meet girls, you go to discos, you go to Kayleys. And uh, yeah, it was all, it was, it was a huge change uh, around that time. And yeah, I, I, I remember it vividly. Oh, that's good. Good memories. An interesting story as well about the language. Um, I mean, this, this song, 15 by Taylor Swift, isn't about Kayleys or being in Ireland. No, <laughs> definitely isn't. Or, or about listening to ACDC or Iron Maiden. But, you know, it's a general thing, isn't it? About being naive uh, and, and needing to grow up a little bit. Because the main line is, when you're 15, somebody tells you they love you, you're going to believe them. So maybe that's a different experience for a girl. Because for me, 15-year-old Trevor... If someone told me they loved me, I probably wouldn't believe them. Because, uh, you know, like, like you, I mean, I don't know, get into why you were a weirdo, but I mean, maybe I stood out a bit. I'd have thought it was an April Fool's joke. I mean, you might remember on the podcast, Wayne's Iron Maid podcast, I was invited to Fiona Gregory's pyjama party as a dare. And I didn't know it was a dare, so I turned up and watched Grease 2. Uh, good memories, though. Yeah, I, I do remember that episode. I, I've never actually seen Grease 2, would you believe? Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when I say a weirdo, you know, just 
somebody with a lack of self-confidence and shyness, you know, not a lack of shyness, a massive shyness, but a lack of self-confidence. Um, that's what we were like, though, when we were 15. And I'm, I'm happy for it because I've come through it and I've come beyond it. And now I'm uh, a man who is uh, confident in his convictions. Is that the phrase? I don't even know. Sounds good. Yeah, but it's nice to, to reflect on the lyrics. Maybe we'll do this more in future episodes, you know, compare how we see them as men, as, as older men, with men's mm. problems. Um, but, yeah, maybe it's different for girls or girls in America, these these things. Um, but, yeah, looking at some other lyrics in that song, um, maybe comparing your 15-year-old life to Taylor's, did you sit in class next to a redhead named Abigail? Well, I definitely didn't because I went to a single-sex school because that's the the nature of living in Ireland, really. Um, most of the schools are Catholic schools, uh, primary and secondary, and I went to ah. a Catholic primary and a Catholic secondary. So, no, I didn't ever sit opposite a redhead female anyway. Um, so, yeah. Uh, well, that's something else we've got in common then, isn't it? Because I never sat next to a redhead named Abigail either. So, Taylor's beating us there. But... Uh, is it, because I don't want to be stereotypical, but redhead girls in Ireland, are they common? Relatively common, yeah. I mean, probably more common than in most other countries. So, yeah, I'd say they're common. Yeah. Okay, well, talking of cliché, some of the lyrics are a bit clichéd. As she talks about the excitement of dating a man with a car. Now, mm. I've not dated a man with a car, but I can remember this being like a status symbol when I was 15. You know, the, the 15-year-old girls were dating older men with cars and maybe jobs. And I had nothing, just like a, a rucksack with 90s bands written on it and maybe some wine gums in it. But, yeah, was that the same in Ireland? Or maybe you didn't know if you went to a, a Catholic uh, school. <laughs> um, cars were never the biggest status symbol, I don't remember, in Ireland. Uh, there were a couple of people who drove cars, but we thought they were assholes. <laughs> we, oh, didn't, yeah. we didn't look up to them and I don't know if girls looked up to them either uh, not like you'd see like depicted in a you know 1980s 1990s US film where the car is like a chick magnet <laughs> no it certainly wasn't the same in Ireland in my recollection oh that's good advice isn't it for men of 15 who are listening or boys of 15 maybe um, yeah, don't worry about it because Fergal said and I agree it's, it's good advice that um but talking of advice, um, there is a sort of line of advice in the song where she says, but in your life, you'll do things greater than dating the boy on the football team. So do you agree with that? Well. If we were talking to a 15-year-old girl, I mean. I assume it, it, it points towards a general theme of don't think that this is your whole life when you're 15 because it's not. And you'll do many, many more things than what you're doing now even though you think at the time currently this is your world this is your life it's not it's not people will come and go lovers will come and go and uh it's hard to to convey that to a 15 year old really and i don't know if she's ever going to be successful in doing so but it's good advice yeah i think um but probably it probably falls on deaf ears i'd say yeah and, and for men again it's it's i'm trying to think of the equivalent maybe dating a girl on a netball team, but I don't think that's the same. But then again, there's women's football now, isn't there? So, yeah, maybe mm. Taylor Swift would, would mention that if she was writing for a man. Yeah, I think it's like 
Maybe dating a cheerleader, maybe it might be the equivalent, I don't know. Oh yeah. Well, she mentions that in another song, doesn't she? Um Yeah. She says, You're cheer captain and I'm on the bleachers. So yeah, that similar mm. sentiment. So yeah, looking at the song then, if fifteen the song was a pudding, what would it be? If it was pudding, what would it be? Uh I don't know. It's not the greatest Taylor Swift song, it's not the worst. It might be uh Jelly and Ice Cream. Oh, that's good. Yeah, sorry. This is just another feature I've just thrown at you. Um, one that maybe the listeners would enjoy. And maybe you could send in what pudding you think the song 15 will be. I might go with a trifle because it's you know, got lots of potential. Uh, you know, big, full bowl, full of experiences waiting to happen. And uh, yeah, where to start? Custard, jelly, blancmange, if you're lucky. It's interesting that when she sang this, I, I think she wrote 15 at that age but then she sang it around three years later but then of course she's re-recorded it for the Taylor's version so she's well in her 30s then so I wonder how she feels looking back I think she gets emotional singing it because it's really about a friend and friendship Mm. yeah I mean like I didn't write lyrics that early but I did write some at like 18 and um, looking back on them now it's uh, in some cases it can be emotional in other cases it can be kind of cringy just revisiting how you felt back at that time okay so let's look at some other lyrical links then um we've probably talked about 15 maybe maybe didn't need to but i like that idea maybe we can throw some song analysis in as well uh right so other songs where she mentions iron maiden things so we've mentioned 22 uh in the question but of course there's an iron maiden song called 22 acacia avenue Mm. Uh, and then there's also an iron maiden song called 2am and how many songs does she mention 2am in? Four, at least. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it is four. I mean, I haven't analysed all of them, but there's definitely, I think, Enchanted. I'll tell you what, what I'll do, I'll get the clips and I'll throw them in. I'll just play every time she says 2am in the songs, and then the listeners can count along. That'll be good, won't it? Yeah. Ah, absolutely. It's 2am. 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 Then she also mentions the Wicker Man, and that's in the song Mean. Shall I play it? Picking on the Wicker Man. Uh, yeah, but isn't it the Wicker Man? Hey, Wicker Man. No, it's not the it's not the Wicker Man. It's the Wicker Man. Oh, okay. Ignore that one then. We'll edit that out. Um, yeah, okay. And then she mentions peace of mind, of course. I think she does that at least twice. So those are I Maiden links in the lyrics. So again, what's she playing at? It's obvious. Oh, yeah. It's it's very strong. Yeah, it's very strong. Um, and I think we're going to find out even more in the future about the links between Iron Maiden and Taylor Swift. But at the moment, yeah, I'd say it's, there are very strong links between the two. It can't be an accident. I can imagine people shouting at us, at the speakers, not the radio, as we, we learned last week. Um, yeah, probably say, what about all the fairy tale stuff? And why? I'll address that. She mentions princesses and all that stuff uh, and all that romance thing, but it's funny that she doesn't mention the term maiden, which is a fairy tale link. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Maybe to keep this kind of link between the two more clandestine, uh, she might avoid that word. Um, yeah, I reckon it's something to do with that. 
Yeah, I mean, some people might say, well, she doesn't mention irons either. That's silly. Yeah. Okay, I think, should we have a song break? We certainly should, yeah. Okay, so this is Out of the Woods, mashed up with the Trooper. between Taylor Swift and Steve Harris, who's the Iron Maiden bassist, of course. We'll look at similarities between them in a future episode. But here are some other similarities we've spotted. So, I've noticed that sometimes you can listen to a Taylor Swift song and it reminds you of another Taylor Swift song. Maybe the music's similar or the vocal melody. And All Too Well, for example, that's a famous song, isn't it? Yeah. But I can hear some of that when I listen to Champagne Problems off the Evermore album. Maybe other Taylor Swift fans can hear this. Um, what do you think? Are I made in the same? Uh, well, I noticed one thing, actually. When I was listening to the most recent album, Senjutsu, oh, yeah. I thought that the song Death of the Celts yeah. sounded quite similar to a song on the kind of obscure... Uh, 1998 album Virtual Eleven mm. uh, called Clansman. Uh, oh. I thought they sh- they shared musical similarities and yeah, oh, I, th- yeah. I, th- I th- thought it was quite similar. Oh yeah, they do, don't they? What I suppose, yeah, I thought of that. I suppose it's obvious now you've said it, but uh, yeah, yeah, some similarities there, similar themes, sounds. Hmm, think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, another thing I've noticed, which you probably shouldn't say about these artists, but the albums are quite long, and maybe there's a couple of songs I want to skip, um, which is sad, really. Yeah, I mean, I think with Taylor Swift, it's a, the number of songs on the album make it long, whereas with Iron Maiden, it's the length of the songs on the album make it long. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, it's, you know what, I think it's, I think it's like the maturity of the artist, um, I think after a certain while they have a lot more to say and they can't they don't feel like they can express it in 45 minutes or 40 minutes so yeah. you know I, I I'd say just let them do it. Yeah, it is good. I think it can be overkill. Um but yeah, it's hard for me to sit through a whole album. And I like to do that in one sitting, you know, mm. with a bottle of pop and some you know sweets, but yeah, never mind. But yeah, it's good that they are there as you say because you know they're not going to be around forever. True. Right, well, another thing I think, and don't worry if I don't know how long this episode is, but uh, the uh, 
some of the Easter eggs that both artists do when they release new material, giving out hints to us. That's quite mm. a big thing, especially Taylor Swift. But Iron Maiden did that on their last album. Um, I think it was just after the pandemic. Well, they did, yeah. So Bruce Dickinson appeared on, um, I'm not sure if it was Sky News or BBC News, wearing a Belshazzar's Feast t-shirt. And oh, yeah. The internet went wild. It was like, what is this? And there were all sorts of hints on it as well. It was like 1507, which ended up being the date that their um, new single, The Writing on the Wall, was released. But if you look back even further than that, they had W-O-T-W, almost like spray painted on their album, uh, not album artwork, sorry, their um, tour artwork and any kind of promotional artwork that they released. And people were like, what is W-O-T-W? And I remember there were, there were all these madcap theories online. It was like Wrath of the Waters. And somebody <laughs> went as far as uh, releasing an album cover for Wrath of the Waters and all these different song titles. But uh, they absolutely had Easter eggs left and right around the time uh, before the release of Senjutsu, and I think they did it really well. Oh yeah, it was. It was great. Uh, all the speculation, I remember it. Um, but yeah, Taylor Swift's been doing it as well. I mean, she has lyrics and videos. There's, there's. I think it was the video for me where she had song titles hidden in it. Even if it wasn't right. the words, it was just. I don't know. Big Ben was in it, and there was a song called London Boy on the eventual album. It's all these mm. things. I mean, I think sometimes fans read in too much. And maybe they're not really there because there's that famous thing. Uh, I think it's famous. The, the five holes in the fence thing. Uh, maybe people can Google it if they haven't done it before because there's all sorts of speculation about the missing album called Karma. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if that's real, but yeah, it's, there's so much there. And then she's often just released an album randomly when people expect another Taylor's version. You know, Midnight's just came out from nowhere. And then Folklore was the same in the pandemic. She put an Instagram picture up of her in the cabin saying, not much going on. No one suspected anything. Then we had an album. Oh, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, she's she's um, she's a beast. So there's plenty there then, isn't there? Links, differences, and uh, yeah, plenty more to talk about, but maybe we should bring it to an end now. Yes, I think we've covered a lot of ground on this episode, and it's probably time to bring it to a natural conclusion. Great. Well, next week... We're going to look at the song Wildest Dreams. And do you think I mean the Iron Maiden song? Well, the listener might. I also mean the Taylor Swift song, of course. So we're going to look at both songs by both artists. So that should be fun, shouldn't it? Absolutely. And I I would imagine uh, fans of Iron Maiden don't realise that Taylor had a song called Wildest Dreams. And maybe even fans of both mightn't have made a connection so it's a good topic for an episode great well i hope you've enjoyed it and uh, yeah i hope see you next time for episode three of taylor made absolutely goodbye and thank you for listening bye our friendship never fades taylor made